Aloha! This is Abe's Ukulele Podcast, the podcast for ukulele players and teachers to get better. I'm Abe. Today, I'll be talking to Victoria Vox and Jack Meyer in my first ever remote interview. This show is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to chip in about the cost of a cup of coffee and get some cool rewards, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash ukuleleabe. You can also leave a one-time donation in my tip jar. I want to give a huge thank you to Mikey N for the very generous tip this month. I missed a month and I'm working hard to make up for it, but there are no words to say how much your support means to me. Even when I mess up, you still believe in me, so thank you so much, Mikey. All right, let's get right into it. Victoria Vox is an ukulele-toting, award-winning songwriter and performer. With a passion for songwriting since she was 11, she studied at the Berklee College of Music, and in 2003, she took up the ukulele as her main accompaniment. Since the release of her first ukulele album in 2006, Vox has been one of the leading songwriters on the ukulele scene. She performs mostly as a one-woman band, incorporating a loop pedal and bass effects on her ukulele, while taking her own solos on mouth trumpet and cutting through it all with her genuine lyrics and pure voice. I have to say that her mouth trumpet skills are superb. Victoria Vox and Jack Maher join forces as Jack and the Vox to inspire audiences through the power of song. The two met at the Berkeley College of Music where they studied songwriting. Reconnecting 18 years after first meeting, the two married and now live in Costa Mesa, California. Well, let's give them a call, shall we? Hello, is this Jack on the Vox? It is. Hey there. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, Abe. Good morning. This is so cool. I can hear you in my headphones with all my crazy gear. Um, yeah, it's great to talk to you guys. How's Thanks the weather out there? Beautiful as always. We have been getting some rain lately, which is nice too. But mm-hmm. It snowed here this are... morning, so. <laughs> Blue skies are all we uh. see today. <laughs> yeah. So um, I wanted to talk to you guys today about, uh, obviously, ukulele and songwriting and um, all this sorts of stuff. But you guys have been on the road for a while now, right? Could you talk about how your tour has been going? Yeah. Well, Jack and I toured um, when we saw you last uh, out east mm-hmm. in Connecticut for the Connecticut Ukulele Festival. That was kind of kicking off our tour together uh, in England. And um, we really haven't done a whole lot of shows together since then. Uh, the Jack and the Vox shows are still pretty rare. Um, but in the, in the meantime, I've been on the road pretty heavily. And then Jack plays almost every night with his band called Feed the Kitty. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. Um, so it's kind of, it's still just a rare treat. Yes. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, the shows are they're few and far between, but uh, they're they're coming closer and closer together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. We're working on it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm well. I'm excited to hear more music. Um, could you guys talk about how this uh, this romance between the ukulele and the guitar started? How this project got kicked off? Certainly. Well, about 18 years ago, we uh, met at the Berkeley School of Music in Boston in 1998. Um, Tori and I were just friends back then. Um, interfering here. Jack calls me Tori because that's my nickname from college. Right. Uh-huh. So. Victoria Vox and I were just friends. I was not yet Victoria Vox. I was Tori Davitt. Uh-huh. These are excruciatingly uh, minute details, but she's very <laughs> thorough. That's important. And uh, so we, we were friends back then and uh, sort of kind of kept in touch over the years. But then in uh, 2016, we bumped into each other at the NAM show and we eloped two months later. Uh-huh. Very and cool. So at that time, my stage name was Victoria Vox, and then Jack was in Feed the Kitty. And when we got together, I'm like, wait a second, perfect name, Jack in the Vox. Because there's um, Jack in the Vox fast mm-hmm. food restaurants everywhere out west. So uh-huh. I would see Jack in, Jack in the Vox, Jack in the, and I'm like, Jack in the Vox, Jack <laughs> and the Vox. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. I love that play on words. Um, personally, I prefer your band to the restaurant, but, um, <laughs> oh, I've never I, I don't really have them out here. I have to go South to encounter <laughs> them. But, um, anyway, uh, one of but, the reasons uh, Jack is a, is a guitarist full time. And then uh-huh. with my playing of the ukulele for the past 15, 16 years, um, it was just kind of the natural, uh, marriage as far as the instruments go. And then, uh, we're both vocalists. So it's really nice having someone to harmonize with and and sing. So it was just um, so as far as our music together, it was just a very natural uh, marriage. Marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the instruments and the people are married. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, one of the reasons I love your duo is actually just that the way that you mix the electric guitar and the ook. And personally, I'm always interested in seeing how. Mm-hmm. The ukulele fits in that sonic space that a band creates. Uh, so I was wondering, what kind of things do you guys consider when you're composing and arranging and songwriting for those two? Well, definitely when I perform solo, the show sonically is pretty different than when we when I play with Jack. Um, being that when I'm solo, I'm having it's just me, so I'm having to fill all that time and space by myself so I definitely do more looping where I'll incorporate bass ostinato riffs um Mm. there's obviously more mouth room for mouth trumpet solos and uh, I might do a little even different repertoire than when Jack and I play together Mm. and um so when Jack plays with me I find that my playing uh, sometimes is simplified because what he's doing over top um, that if I'm doing something busier on the uke and then he's doing something to fill in, it might be too much. So, mm-hmm. you know, just we really strive to make it uh, listenable. It's, yeah, and, as musical as possible. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, Jack, how about you? Do you feel like you play when you play with me? It's different than... Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm more of a supporting role when I play with Victoria, mm-hmm. and uh, which is fun for me because uh, in my band, I'm 
we're a trio and I have to kind of do what she does, uh, fill in the spaces and, um, you're the band leader. Yeah, I'm, Something I'm, like I'm, a lead I'm, guitar player. Yeah. More of a lead and then a shucker mm. and jiber. Ah. And so, uh, with, when I play with Victoria, it's, it's nice. I can kind of kick back and then add to her song, not, not, um, take away or step on it. Uh, but just try to try to embellish and make it even better. Mm-hmm. And then I think as far as like moving forward with more Jack in the Box material, I think we really try to focus on each other's strong points. And obviously Jack is a fabulous guitarist. So mm-hmm. there's definitely more room for some killer solos and in- interesting instrument instrumental bits. Versus, I think when he's just accompanying me on a song, he leaves a little more space for me to just be me and do my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for the listener, um, she said an ostinato. Uh, I just wanted to point out that an ostinato is a repeating line, something that just goes over and over again. It's not actually usually a boring thing. It's actually kind of um, almost meditative in a way. Um, yeah. You did a song like that in um, in Connecticut, and it was really cool. Uh, usually when I think of it first, like a loop pedal, you're going to play one thing and it's going to go forever. I feel like it's really easy to get into a trap of um, this is the same thing over and over and over again. Do you ever get stuck in that trap with a bass pedal, or with the loop pedal, I mean? Um, I try pretty hard to use the loop pedal as a texture. Mm-hmm. And that it's not so much like a one woman jam band and I'm just, it's just repetitive over and over again. So I use kind of the limitations of the loop pedal to add things and then take them away um, and, add, and, you know, kind of add in different parts of the song and really work on the construction of the the song as a piece mm-hmm. versus just like, we're just looping and going for it for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, yeah. And so the thing with the ostinato is really cool. Is you can have this kind of repetitive thing, but then as the chords change on top of it, it gives it a different color. And then also then you have the melody on top of that. And even though it could be the same chords throughout the verse and the chorus, it still sounds different because of the rhythm and melody of the different, like the verse and the chorus thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, so it's, it's a challenge as a songwriter, but then also it's kind of figuring out in the looping world, how to make that sound mm. uh, the best. Possible. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I just realized um, the other day, I, I don't, I didn't save it unfortunately, but I found a looping pedal cause I'm, you know, as a musician, I'm always looking at gear <laughs> and longing for it. Um, but I, I found this looping pedal that actually has verse and chorus functions, which I thought was kind of amazing because then that's just another step that can get you out of that trap of um, repetitiveness. You can just switch what the loop pedal is playing. I don't know if this is new to you, but... <laughs> yeah, the put- pedal I have is the Boss RC30, and it actually has two channels. And I basically, you just have to hold down the mm-hmm. stop button and it will then switch over to the other channel. And then you could kind of create like a bridge or a chorus kind of thing. 
Um, but I found that I prefer to work with um, just one channel and then use the pedal, the pedal's undo function mm-hmm. so that I'll add backing vocals and then I will take them out and then I can bring them back in um, to emphasize different parts of the song. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I just kind of, I'll just pull out the loop and then play the bridge with say the beat or something mm-hmm. and then I'll bring the the loop volume back up so it's kind of, yeah it's kind of um I think what it boils down to is just comfort with the equipment and how you want to use it you know um mm-hmm. it's pretty fascinating all the different ways people can use looping equipment <laughs> yeah you can even um like you were doing uh just hit the mic for a nice uh, bass drum yeah, that's right. A kick drum. <laughs> um, so another idea I just had, I don't know if you guys ever do this. I was wondering, um, have you ever started a song solo and then in the middle of the song, Jack will come up and just jump in almost like he wasn't supposed to, but suddenly the song is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Anytime I jump in, the song <laughs> automatically becomes better. So modest. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I, I love the sound of, um, I grew up with a lot of rock, and I love the sound of a, an electric guitar with just a tiny bit of fuzz, and then depending on my mood, either more or less um, of a heavy sound, but that contrast with the nylon strings, I just think is fabulous. So, yeah, you guys Definitely. do a great job of that. Thank you. And uh, what I the effects I like to incorporate um, are very minimal reverb. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a tap tempo delay uh-huh. to add a little more rhythm and percussion because then the delay pretty much acts as um, sort of a, another instrument. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a way to kind of build and, and, and uh, on that orchestration of the I song. I feel like it feels a little fuller. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the reverb. Um, yeah. But there are songs that you come in, you know, like second at the chorus or. Sure. You know. Especially a song like um, uh, off her latest album, it's called um, On the Rails. Mm-hmm. Oh, out on the Rails. Out yeah. on the Rails. Yeah, yeah, you don't come in until... So I, I play very minimal little solo parts, but the overall effect is, is very, very cool. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. we were recording that one in the studio, and I kept yelling at Jack to play less. <laughs> <laughs> less? No. <laughs> Too much? Yeah, I'm just like, I like you get three notes. Make them count. Yeah, that's, that's guitar-itis. Uh, when, when, you, when you play overplay the, the song. Mm. It's like that old joke, how do you make a guitar player turn down? You put a piece uh, of music in front of him. Oh, man. So harsh, but so true. Uh, yep. Mm. So um, speaking about like playing less and kind of going back a little ways, um, I really love being able to just not play as much, you know, like what you're talking about with the just three notes and it very tastefully just enhances the song. And I love being able to not carry the weight of the kind of like the movement of the song. So I guess what I was wondering, because we were just talking about this, um, will Jack and the Vox ever get more instruments like permanently added? If you know what I mean? Like, are you ever going to get a drummer or yeah. bass player. Not saying you should. I'm just uh just wondering. No, we we would love to. I you know I think um, unfortunately the uh, logistical issue with touring as a band 
yeah, paying musicians oh, yeah. <laughs> is is the is the is the big crux there. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we make more money when we play separately. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I hope that that changes that the demand for Jack in the Box will increase, and we can start doing some more things together and having it make financial sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice because um, Jack plays for free mm. <laughs> when he plays with me. Nice. <laughs> Well, that's good, but that's not sustainable, Jack. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, definitely um, playing. Ugh, it's tough. I know exactly what you mean. I love having more people to play with, like even even just a choir. Is like, to me, it's so amazing to be in a choir, but the logistics of putting it all together, ooh, solo is yeah, just I so much easier. In the past, um, I've even done some shows like with a string quartet. And, and um, a beatboxer, and cool. a beatboxer, and uh-huh. players, and keys, and other singers, and yeah, it's it's obviously the ideal of hearing y- your compositions fleshed out and mm-hmm. closer to what you worked so hard on in the recording, or even just something new and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's hard as a touring musician full time, and it's like. When I make, if I'm making money performing, then I need to be paying everybody who's performing with me. That's just my, yeah, how definitely. I feel. So, um, I know there's other musicians who do it differently and <laughs> can kind <of> source out. <laughs> you don't like being paid in exposure. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but so yeah, it's you know, and, and traveling. Like right now, if Jack and I go out together, you know, he and I can fit in our car. And just go or, you know, got the two of us on a train mm-hmm. or a plane. We can share a room because we're married. And um, versus, you know, if there was like a bass player or a drummer, it would mm-hmm. definitely complicate things where we just have to make sure there was the logistical income to make it happen. Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, people, people joke with me because I, I have four kids and they're always saying, that's going to be your band, right? And I kind of wish, <laughs> yeah, maybe one day, but it'd definitely be easier, you know, when everybody's related, just <laughs> uh, kind of like the Jackson 5, like, you know, they're just all, you know, just go together. Sure. <laughs> Share um, one big bed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody sleep on the floor. The hotel only thinks there's two people here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so speaking of bass players, um, when you came through, um, you played bass on the ukulele. I was wondering if Jack ever plays bass with the guitar. Do you know what I mean? Like the same effects? Yes, I have um, a little Boss multi-effects pedal, mm-hmm. and so there is a um, octave effect in there that I use for bass on um, many different of uh, Victoria's songs. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to kind of step into the bass player mode. I, I joke live during the shows that I'm a frustrated upright bass player you know i i can't play the upright bass i'm no i'm no upright bass player but, it's, but you can play bass pretty but good. it's so cool you know mm-hmm. like upright yeah. bass players cool man mm-hmm. and like so that's fun to be able to kind of call up that patch in my effects board mm-hmm. and then take that role of the of the bass player and, and so that's also really uh one of the perks of playing with victoria yeah, there's a couple of things like Only Time Will Tell that's a bossa nova and it's it's the bass that really gives it that bossa nova feel mm-hmm. and so Jack will take that part and um so that we get the 
the groove right. Or a song like mm-hmm. Tugboat, which is like a walking um, yeah, kind of jazz-based mm. line. Uh, but without that, the song definitely is different. Yeah. You know, like when I, you play it by yourself as opposed to when I'm laying down a bass part with you. Yeah, well, either. And then when I'm solo, then like Tugboat, um, I uh, would loop the bass part with my ukulele and then I would play the chords over top of it. Mm. So it's just a matter of whether he's with me or not getting the right feel. Very cool. Um, so um, moving on, I was wondering as you tour around, I was wondering if you consider yourself more of a performer or a teacher. I am definitely more of a performer entertainer. That's um, my passion. Mm-hmm. Um I've never, I don't have a degree in teaching of any kind. And even though we went to music school, we, Jack and I both have degrees in songwriting. Mm. Um, having a musical education has definitely helped in the area of teaching um, workshops at ukulele festivals, which definitely are a kind of a, a an upsell when bringing us into a festival that if we can offer workshops in addition to the performance, I think that festivals like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I'm home, uh, and it's kind of been a, a somewhat recent thing for me as far as teaching goes outside of ukulele festivals. Um, basically, when I was living in Baltimore, Maryland, there just really wasn't a, a demand for ukulele teachers. And I never really mm-hmm. put it out there that I was interested in teaching private lessons. But when I moved to California, there's a ukulele store very near to where we live called Island Bazaar. Mm-hmm. And it was a place that I had stopped through on my tours since 2008. And Shirley Orlando is the owner there and has just been very supportive of my ukulele career since the beginning. And so when she heard that I was moving out, she's like, oh, we'll keep you busy. And uh, so I first, when I first moved here, I taught lessons out of her shop for the first six months. And then because my schedule got so complicated with touring, I had to just go freelance. And she still continues to send, if anyone calls for private lessons, she sends them to me. Nice. And if I can take them, I will. And a lot of times people just want like a, you know, just like a checkup lesson to make sure mm-hmm. they're holding it right and strumming right and or learn they want to learn how to teach themselves Mm. so that they can if they pull up some chords on the computer that they can you know figure out how to play it Mm -hmm. um which i love to do um and i don't you know i don't require any sort of like tuition it's very like lesson by lesson Uh and working on whatever the student wants to learn or focus on Mm mm-hmm um, so I usually, you know, have between six six students a week, I would say, cool. and most of them are young kids that I and I love working with them. Um, they, you know, they're just interested, I think, in music, and they, they don't understand how it really works. But I think if you can just get them to enjoy playing, mm. and maybe, uh, you know, ignite that fire in them to that they can. Experience express themselves with music or participate and tap their foot along or understanding what beats are and Mm -hmm. a a scale or something or a chord uh i'm you know i'm doing my job (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's great so um 
This is a question for both of you as musicians. I was wondering, what are your top three practice tips? Well, then, um, <laughs> you know, Victoria and I, we hate practicing. <gasps> I, Me too. We're not going to lie. Yeah, it's honestly, like, it. I practice every day for eight hours. Like, no. Who does that? It, it, <laughs> there just comes a point where um, it's like that burning to just get on stage and play it. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a form of practice. Yeah, every show is a practice. And mm-hmm. so for me, um, with my band, we play five or six nights a week. We do pretty much close to over 300 shows a year. Wow. And those shows are anywhere from, you know, two and a half to four to five hours a night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm playing multiple hours every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably the key to being able to feel comfortable with your instrument and comfortable with your playing. Obviously, if you're playing three, four hours a day, every day, um, when a song comes around that you're not that familiar with, you feel more confident in just saying, let's, let's just bust it out and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You do, you know, run through some new stuff every like. Um, yes, begrudgingly, I run through uh, new songs and things, um, <laughs> not on stage, but it's more of a kind of like a get your feet wet and then jump in the pool yeah, when the audience is there. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like when I'm writing a song, that's when I'm practicing it. I'm I'm figuring out the melody, what the chord changes are, the groove, and you know, I'll play it to the point of memorization, mm-hmm. um, which some, you know, some, I feel like that my, that my favorite and better songs are the ones that I can, it's just the words just kind of flow off my tongue and I don't have to think about the lyrics and it's mm-hmm. just a very natural conversational song. Yeah. And um, so basically just practicing it to the point of memorization lyrically and chord wise. And then, I'm always terrified the first time I take a new song to the stage because it's like that everybody is watching me practice. Because mm-hmm. you can you can practice a song a million times in your bedroom, and it is not the same when you get up in front of an audience. Yeah. So for me, like, I mean, for both of us, practicing on stage is like the ultimate practice session. <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. you'll have a song, and then you'll you'll write it, you'll practice it to memorization but then when you get on stage you you realize new things about the song and that oh wow well maybe i could do this instead or maybe this isn't working as well and so it kind of takes a few times in front of an audience to shape the song as well yeah Mm -hmm. one one thing that i did have to work on both on stage and off stage was kind of um the, the art of improvisation too and mm-hmm. being comfortable with taking risks. I think in my early days of performing back in even, you know, 2003, four through probably like 2015, even I was very safe. I played it very safe. I, I knew what songs I was going to play, even with the accompanying mouth trumpet solo. Mm -hmm. I had a written solo in my head and I knew the melody and all I had to do was mouth, you know, do the mouth trumpet solo. And I could really focus on like the tone, my technique 
And, you know, it, that was one of the things I think that helped me get so good at the mouth trumpet was that I knew exactly what I was, uh, the melody that I was going for, even mm -hmm. though it was in a solo section. But I started playing with some jazz guys back in 2015 and just was really uh, in awe of their improvisational skills. And that they just, you know, half the guys didn't even have the charts and they just went for it and playing my music. Mm -hmm. And I think that pushed me to sometimes take some risks of maybe singing something a little differently one night than the next. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that really helps also, you know, as artists, we perform the same songs as, you know, I perform Victoria Vox songs. I don't perform mm -hmm. anyone else's songs. So it's when I'm hired to play, I'm hired to play my music. And night after night, you know, it could get a little, you know, stale. stale. Yeah. So I think <laughs> trying to keep it fresh of like, I'm going to try this tonight or I'm going to try, you know. Plus there's no better solo. and more exciting feeling than when you attempt something new on stage in front of an audience and you pull it off. Mm -hmm. It's like this rush, you know, mm -hmm. it's like this, this uh, release of uh, dopamine or endorphins or something that, that it's like, oh wow, I just pulled that one off, and then that that makes you more confident to try you, something again. Yeah, it makes you, it makes you want to like keep going in that direction of mm -hmm. like advancing the song and advancing your playing. Hmm. Wow, that's some great tips. Um, it's kind of similar, but I, especially because you're both great songwriters, I was wondering if you could um, kind of pivot to what are your tips for actually writing songs. <laughs> well, songwriting is a fickle business. It really is. Um, mm -hmm. there, the, my, my number one tip would be when inspiration hits, whether you're behind the wheel, whether you're in the shower, whether you're, you just woke up, um, jot it down somehow, um, mm -hmm. either on paper or uh, uh, on your phone, record yourself singing. Um, there's, I, I have more songs that I've lost than I've written, uh, from not doing that. Wow. And I found that, yeah, when, when you do that, then you can always look back and say, oh, oh, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's gone forever. Mm. Just write it down. Yeah, yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of songs that end up in the midair. And there's actually, I was, when I was driving with my mom recently, she was listening to a book um, read by the author on audio um, by Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she wrote a book called um, The Big Magic. Mm -hmm. And it's basically about how ideas will float to the nearest available taker mm -hmm. and how if you pass up an idea that comes to you, it will just move on to the next person who's ready and able mm -hmm. and how people can have multiple, the same ideas, even general, you know, like years apart. But if you don't do anything with that idea, it just goes to someone else. <laughs> I was, uh, I was lucky enough to meet Willie Dixon back in the early nineties before he passed away. Mm -hmm. And his advice for songwriting was, uh, if you can't remember it, it ain't worth remembering. Yeah, I could find that rule too. But mm -hmm. I, I don't agree with that rule mm -hmm. personally. I think that um, the, the human brain is extremely flawed. And if you can't remember it, it's because you're flawed <laughs> and you didn't write it down in the first place. 
Mm. You need more ginkgo or something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> With my songwriting, I think I try to keep things simple mm-hmm. um, and really look at the backbone of the song. Because there's always so much you can add in production and mm-hmm. guitar sounds and reverb and delay and the bass and the drums and I think, especially with a ukulele, I mean, it used to be like, if you can dumb it down to an acoustic guitar and play the song and it still sounds good, you've got a good song. Yeah, I agree. With and that. I do think like a ukulele is like one step further from the guitar. <laughs> like if you can, Even if less. you can play it on a ukulele and it sounds good, you've got a good song. And if it starts to feel like monotonous or, you know, kind of same, samey, the whole, mm-hmm. you know, the whole way through, it, it really makes you look at the sections of the song your verse your chorus your if, if there's a bridge what are the chord changes where rhythmically does your melody fall within the measure um, and so it really i kind of um i think as songwriters we're also taught to rewrite and edit and and cut and yeah. um i think i kind of do a lot of this editing in real time mm. as i'm writing the song now Mm-hmm. That I don't have to like just spew out everything and then go back and edit it. Like I'm pretty, what I'm putting down on the page is pretty lean mm. to begin with. But that comes with, you know, doing it a lot. Yes. Just mm-hmm. do it. A just lot. do it. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Um, I, I read a book recently or maybe it wasn't recent, but um, it's called the war of art. It's very, um, it's very inspiring. But it's basically yeah. like little one to two page um, like stories or anecdotes. And basically the to summarize the book, to make art, you just make art. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Okay. So just for laughs, I was wondering, um, Jack, who is, besides Victoria, who is your favorite ukulele player? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm kind of recently... Uh, discovered the ukulele world um, mm-hmm. but I would have to say Daniel Ho is probably my mm. favorite ukulele player for one he's a phenomenal player mm-hmm. the guy's a virtuoso but he's also an original um, songwriter and, and compositionalist I mean mm-hmm. like, he he writes some really out there amazing almost like prog uke you know, mm. where a lot of time signature changes, mm-hmm. lots of um, interesting melodies and, and chord progressions. And, um, you know, there's um, uh, James Hall, who's an, also a ver- ver- James Hill, excuse me, who's a, a really great. Mm-hmm. He's like a ukulele shredder, you know, so I, I can appreciate that, too. But I'd say Daniel Ho. Very cool. I just yeah. got um recently. And he's a really he's... nice guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. I just got his album actually recently um, from somewhere, the ukulele site, which was cool. Uh, it's great. So, of course, um, Victoria, you've had time to think about this. Other than Jack, who is your favorite guitar player? Well, this is, this is a kind of hard one. I think there's a lot more guitar players than ukulele mm-hmm. players in the world. <laughs> Definitely. And every guitar player thinks they're a ukulele player. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can do um, that. So I, I have to probably like whittle it down to like probably three okay. guitarists that I enjoy listening to. Obviously, Prince. Mm. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, Solid choice. Then, 
yeah. And then uh, Chet Atkins, I, I really mm. like his playing. Um, yeah. And then probably of people I know who are also phenomenal, uh, a friend of mine named Eric McFadden, who used to mm. play with P-Funk and lived uh, in Los Angeles. But we've done some festivals with him. And he is uh, pretty darn amazing. <laughs> wow, very cool. I know all of those players. I'm proud to say, <laughs> not personally, obviously, but um, anyway. <laughs> well, Jack cool. Vox, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank Thanks you so much for calling, um, Abe. Before we go, uh, what shows do you have coming up, and where can people find you? Okay, on the calendar. <laughs> um, on this coming this Thursday on February 21st, I'm playing at the Black Rock Center for the Arts. In mm-hmm. Germantown, Maryland. Maryland. Um, the, yeah, songwriter series. Um, and then I head over to the Eastern Shore, uh, to Chestertown. And then I'm doing a ukulele residency with fifth graders on Tillman Ooh. Island, Maryland, for the week. Very and cool. then hopping up to New York City for a house concert, which is open to the public. Very cool. And then uh, I come back to California, and then Jack and I have a Jack in the Box show on Saturday, March 9th in Laguna Beach and then I have to head out to Maine and Massachusetts and Vancouver Ukulele Festival mm-hmm. and uh, Australia Sunshine Coast in April Wow! and then back up to the East Coast in Virginia and then Denver Uke Fest, Las Cruces, uh, New Mexico mm-hmm. Uke Fest. That's a lot. You can um, probably go to victoriavox.com <laughs> and see the calendar there. Yeah. Yeah, so if if you heard your uh, country or state, uh, you might not have gotten the the times or whatever, but yes, head to victoriavox.com. Yeah, there's there's always a, you know, it's it's how we make our living, Mm -hmm. how I make my living, and um, I just support Jack. Oh, please. Very cool. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, victoriavox.com is the best way, and I also have a mailing list, which is also the even better way to Mm -hmm. keep posted on where I'll be, and um yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you, babe. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, I hope to see you guys soon. Uh, I'll talk to you later. All right. All right, okay. man. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got a lot out of that. Let me know what you think. You can send an email to podcast at ukuleleabe.com or click the feedback link in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. You can also leave a review on iTunes. I got my first ever one-star review. (laughs) But it was just a star. There were no words. So the one star doesn't really help me make a better podcast. And I want to make a better podcast. So please feel free to reach out if you think something could be better. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend. There's plenty of aloha to go around. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Aloha!